Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This is episode number 199, which is kind of blowing my mind because it seems like just yesterday uh, I decided to start the podcast uh, just because I knew some people who are doing cool stuff. And uh, it's been really interesting how it's kind of grown and evolved um, from the beginning, which is super cool. Uh, one of the very first experiences I had kind of uh, chatting with someone I didn't know, but someone who I just was completely blown away by their story uh, was episode number 13 with Melissa Goss. Uh, in that episode, we talked about how she prepared for and took on the Tahoe 200. And at that point, it was one of the very first times I had even <laughs> heard of uh, a 200 mile race and it was just captivating. It was a captivating story. Um, obviously she is very, um, structured with her training and her, everything she does to prepare for a race, um, which was so, so cool. Uh, I can't do the math, but a whole bunch of episodes later, we're at 199 and we're bringing Melissa back on the show. Um, and I absolutely loved this conversation. Uh, we got into um, how she's grown and evolved uh, through her time doing adventures, through being adventurous and taking on endurance races. She's done a whole bunch, uh, a whole bunch of stage races um, that we get into in this episode, a the Florida Keys 100, uh, obviously the Tahoe 200. Um, and for each one, we talk about how important it is to have a why that reason deep down inside um that you can draw upon when you get to those really really low kind of desperate moments uh in a race and how you can also bring that idea and that concept into your everyday life um i think this conversation really kind of hits the key points of why i love endurance racing why i love ultra running um because it does it just teaches you about your own tenacity your own grit how resilient you are and what you can actually battle through um which is so cool uh another kind of big theme in this episode is uh melissa's idea of pivot don't pause so um especially right now her she had a race uh a racing the planet race stage race in georgia uh which is not the state she learned. <laughs> um, but that race is obviously rescheduled, um, just like a lot of us. And I think we're kind of all in the same boat here as it pertains to races being rescheduled, big time goals being rescheduled. And obviously also just like more important things happening in the world. Um, but her idea is pivot, you know, pivot that training now change your goals don't pause you don't need to pause on your health you don't need to pause on your endurance uh you don't need to pause on your strength um but you got to pivot that you got to find something new and interesting that is really kind of stoking that flame of uh adventure and goal setting and things like that um i know for me right now just randomly there's a mountain near my house and you know, it's pretty, it's pretty technical. There's a lot of rocks and you go 
up like straight up it pretty much the whole first half of your run uh and i love it it's one of my favorite places to run usually i'll do it in the summer like once a week uh, I decided to do it every day this week and it's just, I'm on day four. My legs are feeling it for sure. Um, but it's just been an interesting, like weird challenge that really nobody in the world cares about except myself. Um, but it's been cool, like going up there and being on the same, in the same spot at the same time every morning for the sunrise and just seeing how each day kind of brings about something completely different and also just seeing how the scenery changes you know um even over the last four days i've seen places with flowers that are now starting to to uh to bloom um some of them have been going away like it's just the, the minute like tiny changes in scenery uh is really cool and something you don't really appreciate if you're you know uh only going there once a week or once out every couple of weeks or something like that. So anyways, point being just find new interesting challenges for yourself. Melissa's found a couple she's going to take on. So let's jump right into the conversation. This is the like a Bigfoot podcast number 199 with Melissa Goss. Melissa, it's been a long time. I look back, it was like episode 13 when you were on the show last. Crazy. Which is so What are crazy. we at now? We're at 190 something or 200 or something by the time this comes out. So it's just bananas. Wow. Kudos. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. I, I mean, it's honestly, I just take the ultra approach of like, just keep doing it. Like just little steps at a time, you know? Um, but yeah, so I want to hear, you know, that's obviously was like three years ago. So I want to kind of hear like what adventures you've gone on since then. And I know last time we really focused on the Tahoe 200 specifically, but I do just want to like just dive into adventures in general, if that's cool with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I can't remember if it was before Tahoe 200 or after uh, running it, but um, that was definitely one of the biggest races uh, I've ever raced in one go. So I've done stage races, seven-day ones in Madagascar. I actually had one of those booked for this year in August, uh, Georgia, Europe, which embarrassingly enough, I didn't even know it was a country until this race. And I had a friend send it to me and they're like, Mel, you got to check this out. This is right up your alley because it's insane. And, uh, looked it up and, uh, in the pictures, it's all these amazing mountains and cobblestone roads. I'm like, there's no way this is Atlanta, Georgia. Like what false advertising. And then looked it up more and I'm like, Oh shit, this is actually like a, a real country out there. So, bit of a learning moment for me, but I had that, uh, booked for August this year. And, uh, after Tahoe 200, um, I actually did, I think the Florida Keys was after that. So the Florida Keys 100 is a hundred miler. You run from, uh, Key Largo to Key West out in Florida in, uh, some extreme heat. And that was a pretty different challenge for me. It was really fun. I always, like the race cations, right? Yeah. So how can a race take me to a country? And it's the, one of the best ways I'll argue every time to see a country is on foot. And uh, besides being in a car or viewing it from inside a bus window is actually like feeling, you know, what's the geography like out there? Um, smelling all the different smells, you know, everything down to that point. And uh, 
that was a hot race. I'm not going to lie. You're on concrete the whole time, which is pretty different for me being a trail runner, yes. uh, being on a highway the whole it's time. a huge and I, factor for sure. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was gnarly, but I mean, the key lime pie at the end was amazing. Uh, so it was worth a hundred miles for that. Um, and that was a good one. I mean, you, the thing with ultra running, and I'm sure you know this too, is you learn something new from every race you do. Um, no matter how many you've ran, what type of race they are, you get you put yourself in this vulnerable spot uh, mentally and physically. And for me, I mean, that's one of the biggest reasons on why I do it. It's extremely humbling. You learn a lot about yourself. Um, and for that race, you know, it was a reminder of for heat is what drove me into that point the quickest. So sometimes it'll be the elevation will break me down physically. So then it starts testing you mentally. And that's where you have the most growth spots is when I'm in the most pain is where I have the most realizations too. And, uh, that was definitely a tricky one for me, um, getting close to heat exhaustion and, um, you know, working through some mental blocks of just doubting yourself. And I think that's a really dangerous zone when you get into it. So, um, that was a bigger one since last time we chatted and, uh, did the Hawaii Honolulu marathon. So I've actually never ran, uh, a marathon, before i've ran everything and probably longer than that or i wonder how common that is you know yeah because i've been i've told people that too i'm like obviously like i've done marathons for training but i've never gone and done like a road marathon no yeah it was like completely bizarre when you think about it people are like so you went like just straight into pretty much ultras yeah and uh I was like, yeah, I've never ran a road road marathon before. <laughs> You're like, they don't let you eat key lime pie and quesadillas in the middle of a road marathon. I know. I was at the start line. I'm like, why does no one have beer in their hand? <laughs> Everyone is like taking this really seriously and no one has trucker hats on or yeah. anything like that. So it was a totally different game. And it gave me a lot of respect for road runners too. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a definitely a different game it's faster pace uh it was great to try i definitely know it's not for me but i think we dismiss a lot of things really quickly without even trying them out right yeah. just jumping to these conclusions and i could have gone into it and surprised myself and all of a sudden been like you know what? i'm giving up the quesadillas the guacamole and eating smarties at every aid station uh-huh. and trading it for <laughs> gels and gatorade and you know all of that but uh that was a great race too um, went out there with a few friends over December, convinced some of my team, uh, at breakthrough to join me in it. So that was pretty, that's cool. I, so tell me if you had this experience, I, cause I did the Marine Corps 50 K was the Marine Corps marathon. So it was basically a road race and it's going on at the same time as the marathon. And there's all these people, um, on their hands is the, uh, the like anti-chafe, you know, whatever it is, I don't even know. It's like mm-hmm. Vaseline basically. Mm-hmm. And no joke for like a couple minutes. I'm like, why do those people like, they just have peanut butter on their hands and I'm going <laughs> to supposed to go up and just eat the peanut butter. What? <laughs> that was like legitimately my thought. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're like, who is this guy that's like licking our hands at this aid station? This guy just keeps uh, eating Vaseline. I don't know. <laughs> I can't say I've ever had that. I wish I could maybe make you feel better there, but uh, I can't. No, I haven't had that. I did have uh, used run goo, which was a different experience. I remember at Tahoe 200, um, your feet get pretty beaten up. I mean, you're running yeah. 200 
in five miles straight, right? It's kind of a, a duh. Um, and, uh, never used run goo before until that race. And it's like a toothpaste tube of just white goop and the, uh, health professionals at the aid stations just slathered in between your toes. Like there's no method to it. They just dump it on your feet, put your sock on for you and you're good to go. But it works like a charm. I have to say like, yeah, it's brilliant. I never used it before. Like, you know, and, uh, I was like, man, I've been missing it on this for so long. Racing in sandals in the beginning of ultra running, I mean, doesn't give you the chance to be in run goo, but in some races, shoes are just, you know, a no brainer for them. And, uh, that was a pretty great discovery. (laughs) Nice. Well, (laughs) Hey, so tell me if I'm wrong about this. So I interviewed you like three years ago and then I watched the TV show boundless (laughs) Yeah. and I was like watching an episode and they're in Chile or something. And I was like, wait a second, there's a lady handing a medal to Simon and uh, Donato and Turbo at the end. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Melissa, who I interviewed for this podcast. And then I'm like, ultra running is the smallest world of all time. This is insane. Was that you? (laughs) That was me. Um, Yeah, good eye. Uh, What's funny is I haven't even seen the episode, but... (laughs) Uh, it's good. I went out. The show's good. Is it? Yeah. I'm going to check it out. Uh, I know, you know, it was a really cool meeting Simon out there and other like Canadian, right? And uh, went out there to do course marking for that. And it was funny. Went out and didn't know I was going to do course marking. So one of the guys that helped put on that is a good friend, uh, Christian. And uh, he knows the Atacama Desert. The Atacama Desert is beautiful. And I was living down in Chile at the time. And, uh, they're like, Hey, yeah, you're going to be course like working and helping out with like a bit of that, uh, while out there for one of their other races out of comic extreme. And, uh, so that was a bit of shock to the system because hadn't ran through the Atacama before. And the thing about the Atacama desert, it's actually a really high elevation. So you have that effect out there, which you wouldn't ex- really expect for a desert, but one of the driest deserts too. And it's just beautiful, though. I was out there also for the Racing the Planet Atacama uh, race and helping out with volunteering at that one, too. wasn't doing the course marking, uh, but just aid stations, things like that, helping yeah. out the racers. Uh, but, yeah, those, that's a cool crew. They've got, a, they've got some cool adventures they go on and challenges uh, that team. Yeah. So it was neat meeting them. So when they tell you to course mark in the middle of the desert, how do you even know you're going the right? Because like watching that episode is just like, I don't know. It's just like, how do you even decide where the trail's at or where the course is? Right. Uh, GPS. And uh, <laughs> I've never, yeah, I've never been so nervous using a GPS. <laughs> you're thinking in your head, if I screw this up, yeah. I'm in the middle of the Atacama Desert. And this is a smaller race too, but... Essentially, what they do is they drop you off at point A, and they give you a GPS uploaded saying you're going to point B, and it may be, say, 20 to 30 kilometers out or something around there, uh, maybe a bit longer, depending on, like, the part of the course, and then you also have flags, so what you can be doing at that point is you're dropped off, and then you're running, and these flags along Stacey Gashley, like, almost throw into the earth while you're running so you don't need to stop and peg it in each time and then essentially they'll pick you up at point b the funny thing to coordinate though is how long is this going to take me yeah. so am i not going to be able to like screw up the gps and actually follow this 
which the answer was no at first. And B, getting these like flags. And when you're running across a salt flat in the Atacama Desert, it's extremely hard to get these flags in there. And so you don't want to screw over the racers and they're all blown over or they go off track. And so it can take you a lot longer to run that 30 kilometers, say if that's the distance. And usual if you're just going on a 30 kilometer training run yourself uh, for it. But that's essentially how it works. And then they'll pick you up and then take you to the next point and then you start course marking from there too. Okay. Yeah. So you were mentioning stage races earlier and training specifically for this one, but how many stage races have you participated in? Um, so I've done, um, two longer stage races. So okay. did one in Madagascar, which was a seven day stage race, uh, about 250 kilometers total. It's about a marathon a day. And with one day being a double marathon. And uh, again, for those, you carry everything on your back besides water. And then I did another stage race in Chile and essentially ran from the Andes Mountains to the coast. And that was, I believe it was a three, four day uh, race. That was a different style, though. That was a treat coming from Madagascar. So it was almost glamping. And essentially what they did was they carried all your stuff. So you needed a lot smaller of a pack. You didn't need to carry your food. You carried all the nutrition you needed for that day uh, for racing. But once you got to the end, they had ice baths ready for you. They had massage therapists set up. They had a four-course Chilean meal with, like, wine everything to the nines they had your tent set up with your air mattress blown up and every day it was like a six-year-old's birthday party with like a goodie bag outside your tent and one day it was crocs because everyone's feet are swollen by say day two so you can walk around in crocs uh so that was amazing that was totally different experience uh than the Madagascar one and then Georgia was planned this year, but obviously with COVID and everything, a lot of races are being canceled, but that yeah. would be similar to Madagascar 70. Okay. Where you have all your food and your nutrition. How do you even plan for that? Uh, it's hard. Uh, it's actually really, really tough thinking through, you have this balance. So I can take a lot of food and have those extra calories, but I also have extra weight on my back. And so it's how do I get the best bang for my buck? and weight and calories so a lot of dehydrated foods uh breakfast look like oatmeal for me protein powder and then high calorie bars and something like vitargo as a drink mix which is a carb mix during the race uh and the tricky thing with that one is also had to add extra weight because decided to run it in sandals and the med crew for that was like that's absolutely bonkers there's no way we're letting you run this in sandals for seven days you have to carry shoes and so uh, had the extra weight of like shoes in the pack too but it's I mean it's a that's was one of the coolest things about stage races it's so much more than just you know I'm getting out there and it's aid station aid station it's how do I recover fast? How do I pack my nutrition right? And how do I last seven days out there and make it to the end? And uh, that recovery piece at the end of every day was so key. So you're ready to get going the next day. There, quite a funny story, though. On the double day, had this plan of you can kind of finish it within a two-day period if you need to, or you can finish it one day, and that essentially gives you an extra day of rest. So that was the plan. And 
thought of that while packing food. So I was like, well, this is great. I'm not going to be running on that day so I can have less calories that day packed for. And you have a Ziploc bag for day one. This is my allotment of food. Day two is my allotment of food. And that's all in your pack. And didn't really think through the fact, though, that on that day, so did finish the long stage in one day. So you're around camp. You're bored. You... And I mean, we all know when we're bored, one of the first things is like, let's go to the fridge and, you know, see what's up there. All the time. And then you're right. I God, saved dangerous. my cat's life last week because I did that, by the way. It was did like, you? Night, it was nighttime. It was like, we were going to bed and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to the fridge. I'm bored. And I opened the fridge and he was in there and I was like, why, why are you in the refrigerator? Anyways. Wait, your cat was in the fridge? Yeah. I think he would have been fine. He's like a Siberian <laughs> cat. He would have been cool, but how did he get in the fridge? He jumped like every time we open the door, he jumps in. Oh my gosh. Sorry. That was a complete side note. My bad. No, but that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like some, I'm like still curious about that. I want to dive into it. Uh, but yeah, essentially you're bored. You're low on calories cause you're pretty much at the end of the race. And I was just going nuts. I, I thought I wasn't going to get up out of my tent. So low on calories felt faint, everything like that. And this is probably like one of the moment, lowest moments of my life uh, I'm about to share here, but went to, they have a lost and found bag, right? So throughout the race, people forget water bottles, shoes at camps, sleeping bags, whatever it is. And I was like, there maybe is some food in here because you can't trade food, uh, right? It's just you, what you bring is that's what you're sustaining in um, each racer to themselves type of deal. And I went in there and there's this Ziploc bag of like barely any trail mix at the bottom corner of it. And I just salvaged it. I was like, oh my gosh, like something salty. I'm pretty sure it was like peanut shell, yeah. like scraps and probably a total of 15 calories, but just felt like heaven at that time. <laughs> um, so I didn't plan out that day very well to say the least. Yeah. Uh, and it just goes to show it's like kind of an art rate and you, you don't know what you're going to crave either come day five. And you quickly realize cravings don't matter anymore. It's just you get what you get, and yeah. there's no preference. You don't get any choice anymore. Wow. Is trading food against the rules? It is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, uh, I'm sure the other racers might have seen you. I'm like, oh man, like I wish I could just give her some some sort of food. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, I think there is like times. I remember, you know, walking over to uh, to the lost and found bag. And seeing this crew, I think they're from Japan. Mind you, this is day six of day seven. Carry all your own food. And I thought it was hallucinating at first because they're sitting around at one of these tables outside of one of the tents. And one guy had a bagel. And he was <laughs> eating a bagel. And I was like, "That you carried a bagel in your pack for six days out in Madagascar for food for this day like it, it just made no sense to me that's why automatically i'm like i must be hallucinating like absolutely and then you know checked in and they're like no that's absolutely a bagel i'm like oh holy was smoke. it like a celebratory bagel like we made it to day six bagel <laughs> out maybe right maybe that was like the one tree they're looking forward to the whole time Man. uh who knows that kind of weird like that kind of freaks me out because i just eat so much food all the time that i feel like i would really struggle with that it's tough. I mean, you kind of look at people. I mean, it'd be crazy before and after pictures for some people, yeah. um, let alone, I mean, you don't shower. You don't shower for seven days. That's out the there. best part, though. I like that's yeah. the and then that first shower, you're like, oh, this is amazing. Right. You all of a sudden like 
four shades later, like really quickly. Um, but it's, it's a challenge and I found them to be one of my favorite styles of races, even though I haven't yeah. done a ton of those, but you develop this community feel. And I think the trail running community is like that quite a bit. And it does bring you to a different plan of how, like I said earlier, is how do I recover quickly? Usually when you run another race, it's like, I just got to go to the end and then I'm done. I'm going back to my hotel room and going to chill out for two weeks. And this is you know, a bit of a different game plan. And you're also meeting all these racers from across the world and you just see there's this common language between running. It's kind of cool. It, it sounds woo-woo, but you're running through villages and you have a Malagasy kid running with you for 30 minutes. You say nothing, but they still have the biggest smile on your face and you somehow yeah. feel connected to this kid just because you both can run. And uh, it's really cool connecting with people all around the world and something like a running event can bring you together and you just learn so much about one another. Yeah. Uh, really, really neat. That's cool. Is, uh, is stage racing as big of a thing in Canada as it is in like other parts of the world? Because I know in the United States, like it really isn't a huge thing. It hasn't caught on, which it kind of blows my mind. Right. Yeah, I think I don't think so. I mean, not from what I've seen. It is a bigger commitment. Uh, yeah. for sure and obviously they're usually a bit more expensive but I mean even taking a week off work for a lot of people seems daunting and then you tell them it t it's a special breed of person that's like I'm gonna use that you know dragging my body into the ground and <laughs> running uh, I think they're picking up though I, from what I've seen like Chile that one that ran down there is called the Zulkin four days that one was an inaugural event. So they started that up there and we're looking at making that a series going forward. Nice. So I hope they start doing it more and more. I think it is a really cool style of race to tap into. Um, but again, there is obviously limits to it too. Yeah. I, th I just think it's such a cool idea of, I mean, I understand like 100 milers and 200 milers are like this where you're, you're starting in one area and you look way, 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 way in the distance. You're like, I'm going to end up there. But, the, you know, th those happen so fast and I've, a stage race is over a week. And through that whole week, you slowly see those that objective getting closer, but you're not getting there right away. Like, I don't know. That's just a really cool, like kind of adventure, kind of expedition sort of feeling that I, that I get because I've I've done a couple stage races. Nothing like the one in Madagascar, though, like carrying your own food and stuff. But uh, but it is it's just this cool, like quest that you're on. It is. Yeah. It's a more delayed gratification. I think ultra running in general is a delayed gratification and it's almost adds a next level to that because you're like, I have, I don't have a few hours left. Yeah. I don't have, even if it's like 20 hours, I don't have 20 hours left. Like Florida Keys was about 27 hours, but you can count it down. It's less than a day. This is like, I've got you know, seven days out here yeah. and that's a, a long way to go till I get that feeling of crossing that finish line. And there's a lot that can happen during that time too. I'm sure you've seen this in your stage races. If food doesn't sit well with me, if I get sick out here, cause your immune system's usually shot when you're pushing your body to that extreme, there's so many factors that can affect you. And so it's this new game. It's this new game to like play with and, and try to master. Yeah. It's the ultimate, like, the tiniest thing can completely derail your your whole thing 
absolutely yeah that's awesome well so it's kind of, it's a huge bummer that you're uh you're not gonna be able to do the one in georgia i'm sure you're looking forward to that um i know when i was uh sending you some messages you mentioned this idea um the idea of just adaptability and then pivoting but not pausing during this uh kind of you know new paradigm that we're all in right now um can yeah. you kind of expand on that for sure. Uh, yeah, it's a weird time, Roland. I mean, not many of us have been through something like this of a crisis and a pandemic before. And there's a lot changing. And I think it's a great time for all of us to realize what's in my control, and what's not in my control, right? And just coming to peace with that. And there's stuff we had planned and some plans have gone completely the opposite direction, right? Even I have some friends that had weddings planned and that's something they're pushing back a year and I'm sure that's hard you have all this excitement around it you've done all this work around it and now it's done right it's something I've got to push back I think the part with pause instead of pausing and pivoting instead is if you have say a bucket list of here are things I had for this year or goals and they get crossed off, whether they're canceled or it's some a call, a tough call you have to make yourself. Instead of just leaving it crossed off and this list becoming less and less, is how can I replace something on that? Instead of just crossing off and leaving it as that, I'm gonna cross it off and I'm gonna write something next to it that I can do during this time. And I think that's so key right now for us not to be complacent and using this as an excuse where I don't need to keep improving, I don't need to keep adventuring, I don't need to keep exploring and pushing myself. Uh, I think it's a easy time for people to fall back on that versus saying, okay, I can't do plan A, but what does plan B look like? I'm at least going to have a plan B. I'm not just going to say plan A is done and now I'm not going to have any plans. And for me, say for Georgia, that was one of them. I was pretty bummed, super excited about it, looking at traveling around Europe around after. And you have to make this tough call uh, during this time. And the question I asked myself is like, okay, well, what am I going to do instead? Because having that goal to work towards is really important to me. Having this thing that I can concentrate and focus on and uh, hold myself accountable to is really important. So I had to pivot it and say, okay, I'm going to create my own race that's local around this area I don't need to travel for. And uh, I'm going to do that instead. And so at least that's going to keep me motivated in training. That's going to give me something to work towards uh, in August or September. I'm not sure the month I'll do yet. But I think that's that for me is just so key right now. And in talking to more and more people, seeing this commonality of I'm just going to cancel it and, and that's it. I'm just going to cross it off and that's it. And I think you can get into a pretty dangerous spot if you don't find something else to motivate you and push you as a person. Yeah. And I think the thing that's difficult about that though, is knowing that no one else really is, you know, if you're designing like a local adventure that you are going to have personally, that's awesome, but it's hard because no one else really is going to be there. You're not, you know, you mentioned running with other people being such a wonderful bonding experience. And then, knowing that you're going to push yourself, but it's all you. That's just a completely different experience. There's no extrinsic motivation at all. So how, no. are, you, how are you handling that? Because I know for me personally, that's what's been kind of affecting my training more than anything. For sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think 
it forces you into that self-growth part you maybe haven't had to go before, right? I could rely on extrinsic things to motivate me. And I think that's totally fine. I don't think everyone needs to have this extreme intrinsic motivation. But I do think it comes to something I'm a big believer in is having a why. So when the going gets tough, I know I have a genuine enough and strong enough why is when I can bounce back from it. And if I don't have that why that's strong enough, I'm going to have a really hard time, say, not giving up at that time. I'm going to have a really hard time staying motivated or say, you know what, I am tired this morning, but I'm going to remind myself of why I'm doing this in the first place. And if it's strong enough, I'm going to get my ass out of bed. I'm going to put on my shoes and I'm going to get out there. Yeah. If it's not, then I'll probably be like, you know what, I'll just wait till tomorrow. Yeah. And it, it, it happens. I mean, I've gone through it where I, I thought I had a why, right? I thought I had this why of, you know, I want to be healthier and stronger and, and fitter. But it was too general. It's yeah. too general. Like, why is that specific to me? Why is that something that is my why? That could be anyone's why. Okay, well, why do you want to be stronger? Well, I want to set a really great example for my kids. Well, why do you want to set a great example for your kids? And keep asking that why until you get to this really core one that resonates with you, that gives you butterflies in your stomach and you can't forget, you can't forget no matter what hardship you hit, that why is going to be there to you know push you back up when you fall down. And it doesn't say it's going to make you bulletproof. Uh, I mean, we all do have limitations, but I think it's going to carry you a lot further having something like that to rely on and to hold tightly to you uh, if you did it versus like not having one. Um, I think, you know, you'd fall short a lot, a lot quicker. Yeah, that's awesome. I that's you just put that in such a wonderful way. Um, do you consider that for different races? Like, cause obviously it's always ever changing, ever evolving, you know, especially as you get more and more into this ultra running thing. Uh, so, you know, when you're going up on, on a race, do you take time like a few months before to really sit down and think about it or write it out or, or something like that? Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. I think at first I had this why. Like I wanted, I knew it was a way to push my body. And I, I saw after the first one that I gained more from it mentally than I did physically. Yeah. And that was big for me. Like discovering yourself, discovering my triggers, discovering the negative talk I had in my own head on just a day-to-day -day basis. Like you're out on a trail by like you've got no music, you've got no distractions, and you're pushing your body, you're going to put yourself in a vulnerable state really quickly. And listening to the thoughts that come up at that time is eye-opening. And I don't think a lot of people have taken the time to really be conscious of what those are. What is this negative self-talk I have in my head? Um, probably on a day-to-day -day basis, I think just something like ultra running has amplified it for me and has put this microphone to it and easier to listen to. Um, but that why does change from race to race. I think there's an overarching one for me that is essentially what you know I just explained. But I think each one has something special to you. So, okay, from this last race, I really gained this. And that's opened my eyes to um, a new why, right? It, okay, how do I take this to the next level? And now my why may be related to, you know, inspiring some girls that are in high school that reached out to me after our last race and said hey like you know this allowed me to realize I, I'm self-sabotaging myself I'm putting this glass ceiling on myself and not going after things because I'm scared of failure and that like really resonates with me where that was 
it for one of my whys for a race is like, hey, like, you know, who could you be inspiring right now? Because not everyone gets this opportunity or chance and ultra running is not for everyone. But there's things where I've seen in different sports I know I'll never do. uh, But it's inspired me to take action and something in my own life that fits me more. And I think there's so much power to that. So it changes every time. And I don't always know it every time when I like sign up for a race. We're kind of like twisted people. You get like you're in a race and you're like, I'm never doing this again. This is such a stupid idea. I'm hitting a wall. I'm in so much pain. Like I'm never going to ultra run again. I'm going to sign up for ping pong. And then (laughs) you get to the finish line and you're like, that was awesome. When's the next race? I'm going to go on ultrarunning.com and do that right away. But there within training, you already start getting a taste of it, right? You start getting a taste of like, okay, on a long, slow distance run, I felt like giving up and I didn't have a, the why I thought I initially had was not there to help keep me going. So that's a clue in point to me. Okay. This maybe isn't genuine or this isn't deep enough, or this isn't close enough to me. Like right now, I can't cop out and say, well, I had this why three years ago. So that's still going to resonate with me. We all grow. We all change. Uh, our preferences change, our needs, our wants, and our whys change. And uh, usually I'll figure out through training, you know, prior to the race, what it what it really is for me. Yeah, for sure. Well, when you're in the middle of those deep, dark moments and you're in all, you're questioning, why did I sign up for this and all this stuff? Um, and all these, all the thoughts, come. like, are you listening to those thoughts or do you ignore them in the time? You know, like if I'm in a really dark place, and my brain's like, you can't do this, man. What are you doing? Am I actually like taking time to consider it? Or if I'm in a race, do I just be like, hey, man, I need to push that back and I need to keep going no matter what. I'll deal with those thoughts later. Like, well, how do you how do you handle that? Uh, yeah, it's cool. I went through like the same type of realization um, in the beginning of ultra running. I just ignored it. And I quickly realized, especially in longer races, they will come back with vengeance. Those, (laughs) (laughs) those words, they're not going to go away. They want it, you know, they want the attention, but I'm not going to give them the attention that they're like screaming for. Right. So if you have this voice, like, wow, Mel, you're not strong enough. You did not train hard enough for this. Anything like that. Your legs are probably going to give out in the next, you know, 30 miles here for sure. And then you're done. You're at the end of the race before, as soon as I would hear like, anything like you're not strong enough I'd push it away right away and it just didn't work for me and then I quickly realized like hey I need to let it come up I need to recognize it's there and I need to also recognize like this isn't doing any service to me right now so acknowledge it recognize it and then for me it's counteract it okay so is it true is it really true? Well, no, I have no idea if my legs are going to give out in 30 miles. How am I making this prediction right now? How do I know my legs aren't strong enough? Like they're still moving right now. So, hey, to me, that's that's strength. And so questioning it and then also replacing it. So then it's like three positives has worked really well for me. Every negative thought that comes up, acknowledge it, recognize it, question if it's actually true, because usually we'll blow something way out of proportion pretty quick. And then three positives. I am so lucky that I even have the opportunity to be up on this trail that probably only a handful of people have ever seen this view in their lifetime. I have the opportunity that I have a body that even like allowed me to start this race and has carried me this far. Like, wow, that's pretty cool. 
And like third is even something small, like the fresh air right now. Hey, it's like freezing, but it's also not snowing. It could be snowing. It could be worse right now. And that has really helped me snap out of it because I mean, Ray's Ahab, I probably even, I don't know if I said this on your first podcast, probably have because it resonated with me since I got into it, but ultra running and extreme sports are 90% mental and the other 10% in your head. And it's so true. I mean, you probably could speak to this too. It's like, yeah, it's going to push you physically, but mentally it's a way more on that spectrum of pushing you and challenging you than it is physical. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like, honestly, the mental benefits that I've gained have far outweighed any like physical pain I've been in. You know, like it's there's moments that really hurt, but I'm like, I've I've become more like I've understood myself better because of this, I guess. That's awesome. Like what what have you found as like a big like breakthrough for you, like mentally? Like what would you say if someone hasn't gotten into and they're like, okay, Chris is saying I got a ton out of it mentally. What's (laughs) what have some of those been? Oh, man, so much like uh, so the stage race uh, that I did, I did the last two years. I'm definitely going to miss it this year. I wasn't signed up. So but even like knowing that it's not going to happen this year is just completely Mm. bumming me out. Um, Mm -hmm. But so the first year really was proving to myself that I could get through that distance because I had never ran anything like that, like whatsoever. Um, And it was really nerve wracking. Like I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, So just understanding what I could do. Um, And then on like a kind of a more personal note, I I had some stuff like personal issues like I had to deal with, but I was finding myself just completely distracting myself, you know, every single day, basically, you know how you can wake up. And then from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, you're like constantly just doing something, but you're not giving Mm -hmm. yourself time to think about anything. Mm -hmm. So I was totally doing that. Um, And I was like, I just need time and quiet to like process this and like reframe this uh, in, in a different way. Um, so going out and doing that, that was like the like changing point in my whole mindset. Um, and then this last year going back, uh, and then doing really well, like doing like I beat my time by like, I want to say like six hours from the day before, but side note, it was like so much better. Like the weather was so much better this year, Mm. this last year. Um, it was 70 degrees some days instead of 110 or whatever it was. Um, but so that made a huge difference, but also just, that just showed me like what I was capable of. And, and just like you said, like I'm, I was, I realized I'm capable of so much more and I hold myself back. Um, but I don't need to, I can just go all in and see what happens. So, so that was kind of, kind of mine, but you're right. Like every race is a different experience, you know, um, every like even training runs they're different experiences some days i just completely zone out and don't think about anything and then other days i'm like constantly like working through stuff so it's just it's all up in the air but you have those breakthrough moments and you're like and now i'm never going to forget this and it's with me for the rest of my life which is <laughs> insane right those like priceless things where i couldn't have gotten this in probably any other way or it would have taken me 10 extra steps at- <laughs> yeah then you know going through this and that's the thing and like pain is I think when you can train yourself 
like you were mentioning earlier, this like negative thought process that comes up and it's automatically going to come up. Uh, I mean, trying to deny that that's going to happen to you or I'm going to train myself out of that, I think is ridiculous. Like it's just human instinct. But when you can start looking at some of this stuff as holy smokes. Okay. I was on a training run the other weekend. I was like, man, I still got five kilometers, right? As Canadians and kilometers, five kilometers left. And I thought I had one and I was bummed out at first. I was like, Oh, like I'm really looking forward to just like sitting in the car and like getting off my feet and then try to like switch the mindset. Like, well, it's like, sweet. I've got four kilometers extra now. And that means four kilometers extra of, strengthening my legs and now they're going to feel that much stronger tomorrow versus if I actually, you know, just only ran one more kilometer here. And, uh, and then this like pain, you start like looking at it as like a benefit. Okay. What are the benefits I'm going to get from pain physically, you know, may get stronger. And obviously this is to a point, right? If you're in excruciating pain, you don't want to injure yourself, right? There's a line you have to draw. Um, but same thing like mentally is, Hey, this is really tough on me right now, but those are the points where I've had a breakthrough. I've had way more breakthroughs in moments of close to failure or failure or pain than I have in moments of completely succeeding and yeah. extreme positivity. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So I, I just really like your idea right now of like, don't pause, like just find something else that, that you're passionate about to spend your energy on. And it is this weird, uh, opportunity to do something that you wouldn't normally do. Like I know for me right now, like I've just left my house and instead of driving to a trailhead, I'm just like, I'm just going to run from my house and see what the neighborhood has to offer. And I found so many just random single track trails just through the suburbs. I'm like, who would have thought this exists? Maybe I'm running through the backs of people's yards. I don't know, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah. so, and I know you mentioned the, and say, if I'm not saying this right, I apologize, but the Canmore quad. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Kenmore Quad, I mean, you're tackling like four peaks around the Kenmore area in uh, Alberta. I actually had a friend reach out that I used to uh, play soccer with uh, back in the day. And she's gone into trail running and it was, um, she obviously knew I was into it and asked if I'd want to join her in going through that this summer. So that was pretty cool. It was something I just never thought about. And um, at first, to be honest, I was like, well, am I prepared for that? I haven't really like, thought through it and anything like that. But I think in that saying yes to something and then just figuring it out as you go is totally okay. Uh, I think this paralysis by analysis, at least for me, has like happened way more than I've wanted it to. And uh, it's something I've just recognized about myself. And I've had to make sure when I'm making those decisions, I don't fall into that, you know, that's that's my go-to way of thinking. It's like, hey, you know, you're getting to paralysis by analysis right now. Just say yes, and you'll figure it out as you go, right? You'll figure out the training and, and all of that. Um, but having that thing to, like, commit to for me has been amazing for motivation. I you get people asking me, like, I want to get into running, and I want to work up to, like, this level. And usually one of the things is I'll tell them is, like, sign up for a race because that also is, like, at least a surface level why to get into training, is thinking, okay, like if I want to skip this run, that's going to make, you know, three months from now when I'm at the start line of that race, it's going to be that much more miserable because I haven't trained my body to the point I could have. Yeah. Right. And so would I rather 
go through some of that training now, get my butt out of bed and go make it happen and the race is more enjoyable or would I rather push it off into the race and this race is not a great experience for me. Um, and so that was like one of the things, you know, for, for me too, I was like, okay, well, a lot of things have gotten canceled and so I need to find those things I can be working towards and are a constant motivation for me to keep up with training just because a race isn't there doesn't mean I need to slow down or I need to stop. So that's going to be a really cool one. I've never done it before. There's some amazing people that have done it in a certain time frame. Uh, I have no idea where we'll end up, but at least giving it a shot will be pretty neat. It's close to hometown too. I'm a wuss for the cold also. And Canmore <laughs> isn't known to be the warmest of spots in Canada. And so that'll be also a good mental challenge for me is uh, taking on, I mean, Griffin, Saudi Arabia. So uh, anything with snow or cold is just like an automatic deterrent. And uh, that that's one of them. And then also, um, you know, running around Lake Okanagan uh, is like the second one kind of setting out for this year. That's awesome. Well, are you the only person living in Canada who doesn't like the cold? No, no, absolutely not. Or are you like cold for us is like actually pretty like, no, I'm sorry. Cold for us is like extremely cold. I was trying to do the math there, how that works out. Yeah, it's, I mean, so grew up in Saudi Arabia and then moved to Edmonton, (laughs) which is, I don't, (laughs) I mean, well, it's in the negative, so it's comparable, but you know, minus 42 is just av- like no human should live in that in my opinion i don't think that like when you have to plug in your car when your eyelashes freeze and your eyes are almost shut and your like hand sticks to your door handle i mean it's just like why you know um and i think that was one of the big forces to moving down to chile and then somehow came up to canada but i think i learned about my lesson in like coming back to Kelowna, which is a bit more uh reasonable of a canadian yeah temperature and, and weather throughout the year uh i don't know i don't know how some people do it uh to be honest um i never got used to it no matter how many years i was there you know it's coming you know it's gonna suck <laughs> and i just couldn't i couldn't every time it'd be you know negative nancy around winter time and oh yeah it's tough it's crazy when your nose hairs freezes that's the worst <laughs> part you're like what is what wrong with my oh my god they're frozen what happened <laughs> right you're like i know like some stuff could freeze or i can't feel this and you got early signs of frostbite because you're just like walking 10 minutes to the grocery store (laughs) yeah ah no that's rough that's rough for sure well tell me about uh okanagan am i saying that right okanagan lake okanagan yeah you are yeah so uh lake okanagan it's in bc um close to i mean Kelowna is the biggest city around it and uh, actually, I was thinking it'd be cool to do a race um, around it a few years ago. Uh, was going to call it the Connect 200. So it's about 200 miles around the lake, uh, give or take. And there's different trails. There's a really cool trail out here that used to be a railroad, and they converted into a trail that bikers and runners can go on. And uh, with Georgia, uh, with not being able to do that, any longer this year, it was kind of like, well, what better time to try this out, right? It's local, it kind of checks all the boxes, what you can do right now. And uh, the setup of that one, I'm still working on the logistics of it. So I don't know if it'll be over, you know, 
two days or, you know, what will rest and um, check stops look like and, you know, support. Uh, but it's beautiful out here. It's not cold, especially like during that time of year. So that's a selling point for me. And it'll kind of give me that idea too of, you know, I, I, I fall into like the hypocrite, feeling like a hypocrite if I'm getting people to run a race or I'm hosting a race and I've never done it before, right? It yeah. didn't sit right with me. Um, you know, people would be telling you about this super shitty part of like the race course and you've never like ran through it before. Uh, so you don't have this understanding with like your racers. So it's a good time to like test that out and see like, hey, maybe this is an opportunity to bring more people out and see this area because Again, like I said in the beginning, there's so much I can come from this sport. And even if it's not 200 miles, right, even if you do a 20K or a 50K, whatever it is for you, just getting outside, experiencing a spot on your own two feet with your own eyes and um, getting out there and impressing yourself. I think there's this like cap, again, we put on ourselves is just we self-sabotage or we, we limit ourselves and you actually finally do one and you're like, holy smokes, what else have I been yeah. capable of that I just haven't gone for? Yeah. Um, and so I love, like, that's what really intrigues me about hosting a race, you know, someday too, is just I've realized how much it's done for me as a person. And it feels like this almost payback, right, to host uh, an area and an environment where people can also hopefully have some of those breakthroughs. So running a lot around Lake Okanagan uh, may spark some of that interest again to make that a race course yeah. one year how does that area compare to like lake tahoe um less elevation um absolutely i mean lake tahoe you get up to some pretty high elevation points i remember going from one aid station and people were actually hitting altitude sickness which i never would have even like thought of yeah. when going into the, the tahoe 200 uh so it'd be hard to hit that around here i mean there's a big ski hill called big white it gets pretty high uh and then also just the terrain is a bit different like it's a lot more almost rolling mountains out here tahoe has some like pretty extreme climbs um but then other than that i mean there's quite a few similarities like i would see like the weather around the same it'd be the same time of the year um that i did tahoe and so i, I feel like that would stay pretty pretty similar uh, between the two yeah that's awesome well so to kind of wrap up here first of all if you do that race or run i totally want to hear about it so i would love to have you back on the show sounds great um just what do you think so um if you could leave some someone who's listening to this with like a lasting piece of advice uh something that you've learned obviously you've shared like so much you know um but what's like one like really actionable thing someone could do right now or like within the next month um in order to find adventure or you know find out more about themselves uh i think it comes back to that you know pivot don't pause during this time you know, look at what maybe you're using as an excuse during this time things are closed my gym's closed everything like that so that means you know i can't stay fit and i would just like really look at your reason try to find that reason why. Why were you going to the gym in the first place, right? And can you strengthen that why so it actually resonates with you a lot more? Not what would look good on a Facebook status or other people think your why should be, but something for you that's like, hey, you know, this is a reason for me to explore and adventure more. Uh, 
and and really see what are the thoughts that come up when you start actually dreaming, when you start actually thinking of goals. And usually you're going to notice there's some negative thoughts. Well, no, that's too crazy or that's too big. I can't do that. And try to filter those out because uh, I think there's, we have so much more potential. And I mean, there's so many motivational books about this and TEDx talks. So it kind of sounds general but it's so true once you start experiencing it firsthand is like the potential each of us has is way more way way more um than i think you know the average person knows out there and so what i would just look at over the next month is what are some goals i have had in the past that i did push aside because i was scared i wasn't strong enough or smart enough or good enough and um bring those back on the plate and don't be afraid to actually set those and go for it. And yeah, sure, you might fail, but now you've actually given it a shot. And I think even if you fail and, and you don't actually end up hitting one of those goals you write out for yourself, you're going to realize a lot more about yourself, which is priceless. And then you're also going to realize like, hey, what are other goals I could set? Maybe I do have a better chance at, or I might fail too, but I'm going to fail forward. And I think just avoiding that complacency. So I think that'd be, you know, a challenge I just put out there for people is I think no one would ever have regrets of that. I went after a goal and I failed it, but rarely is it that was a huge regret to me, especially when it did really resonate close to you, yeah. close to you and your values. Yeah. I can tell that you and our friend Calvin have the same brain, like the same <laughs> exact brain. It's crazy. <laughs> He's a guy version of me. <laughs> 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 awesome awesome well melissa where can if you know if people want to follow your adventures or whatever where can they kind of do that yeah so uh, i mean people can always reach out to me personally um i've had people do that via email especially if you're having roadblocks of you know i'm, I'm limiting myself um melissa goss g-o-s-s-e-6 at gmail.com people can always reach out to me via email um and then my social handles tool is something I usually share like adventures or training on. So Instagram is mel.mel65. Um, and then Facebook is um, Melissa Ramba, which isn't my real middle name. I got that as a, a tribal nickname from a race down in Costa Rica from That's the Tarmar. Yeah, uh, so Melissa Ramba Sinclair um, on Facebook. So any of those, people can reach out anytime. I love chatting about this stuff. I love... Uh, working with people that are interested in just getting into it, even if it's not ultra running, yeah. interested in getting running or adventuring, whatever it is. Um, yeah, the more people I think that get into this type of thing or have a network to help support them to get into it, I think the better. Yeah, 100% agree. Well, thank you, Melissa. And uh, yeah, we'd love to have you back on the show. Great. Thanks so much, Chris. Yeah. All right, guys, that wraps up number 199. Uh, huge thanks to Melissa. Uh, like I said, I just appreciate chatting with you. Um, you obviously just have such a amazing mindset that's developed uh, through life and through endurance racing and through just going out and finding adventures and finding your own way. Uh, and it's something that is really admirable, um, which is really, really really cool so uh best of luck in your goals this summer hope you dominate the canmore quad and the running around the lake which i'm still kind of intimidated to say the name of because i'm afraid i'm going to mispronounce it but i'll try it okanagan i feel like i got it i feel like i just nailed that name lake Oka 
Oak. Oh, now I'm messing up. Lake Okanagan. <laughs> uh, sounds super cool though. So best of luck on those. Um, and best of luck on all the future adventures. Um, like I mentioned in the beginning, I hope you guys are out there and you're finding stuff that really drives your passion. Uh, I know something that's been hard for me and hard for some of my friends as we've just been, you know, chatting on the phone uh, over the last few weeks is the whole like Groundhog's Day-esque kind of feeling of this. Um, I don't leave home for work anymore. I'm teaching from home remotely. Uh you know, and making your best, being adaptable, which is which is something that I feel like all teachers, that's a quality all teachers need to have for sure. Um, but it's hard because I don't really leave my house, right? And then the weekend rolls around and I continue to not leave my house. I continue just hanging out at my house most of the time. And it just it feels like we're doing the same thing and there's not these events to look forward to. So I think it's something like Melissa brought up, like the Canmore quad, like something you're, you set a date on the calendar and you're like, I'm training for it this day. I'm doing this thing. Uh, whatever that may be, make sure it's something that interests you. Don't just run back and forth, you know, down your street. If that is something that is not actually interesting or challenging to you. Um, because you're not going to be able to reach your goal. If it's something you're not actually passionate about and you're just doing it, you know, to see how it goes. I, I think I would advise against it because there's literally like just this. And I always say smorgasbord. I'm going to say it again. There's a smorgasbord of adventure out there for, for you to choose from. Um, so there's so many things. If running up and down your street a billion times is something that really is interesting to you and it really is like wow can i do this like this is gonna be awesome then by all means go for it i guess i'm speaking for myself here um but look for something that is interesting something that'll be that you can passionately go after right and then you wake up that morning and you're just pumped you're pumped to go take it on and even maybe like two weeks before or a week before you finally have something on the calendar that is actually interesting actually fun for you it doesn't have to be a race it doesn't have to be a run or anything like that but like look seek that out actively seek that out you know it's not just going to magically appear right now there's not there's not a lot of races that are being scheduled so it's not going to like just magically show up on ultrasound. We're like, yes, that's awesome. No one's designing it for you. You have to go out and kind of design it for yourself. And I think this is a really cool opportunity for all of us to kind of uh, work at that for sure. Um, also, if anybody knows how to get a cat to stop jumping in the refrigerator every time we open the refrigerator, that'd be great. You guys uh, shoot me an email, like a Bigfoot at gmail.com. Like, I love the guy, but he's a, he definitely wants in that refrigerator. And I think his breed is, he's a Siberian, like that's his breed. So I'm like, maybe he's just, we just need to like, you know, crank the temperature down to like negative 20 in this house and he'll feel right at home. I don't know. But anywho, uh, yeah, guys, next week's episode number 200, um, we are going to be sitting down and chatting with Dion Leonard. Uh, if you don't know who Dion is, he wrote the book Finding Gobi. So speaking of pets, <laughs> um, he was running a stage race in the Gobi Desert. 
A dog joined him and ran with him for 80 miles. Uh, he wrote this incredible book about it. Um, we talk a little bit about that book, but I feel like he's done like a billion interviews about that. Uh, so we really go into his Triple Crown of 200s um, and his 2019 schedule, which if you're an ultra running person, look up Dion Leonard on ultra sign up and his 2019 is going to actually uh, cause you to faint because he <laughs> he did uh, Leadman, which is all the events in Leadville. And then he topped that off with the Grand Slam of ultra running, uh, which is Old Dominion 100, Western States 100, uh, Leadville 100, and Wasatch. Wasatch? 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 Is that how you say it in Chicago? Uh, Wasatch 100. <laughs> all in the same summer uh the dude's a beast um it was an honor talking with him it was another if you really like today's episode with melissa um it's another really significant talk just about mindset and and how you dig deep you know which i always find fascinating because i think by digging deep we can really discover a lot about ourselves um and and really kind of see our our potential which is awesome so um yeah guys it's gonna be sweet episode 200 crazy but anyways uh we'll get back at you then all right talk to you later